All right, girl, this week has been weird. <laughs> yeah, it's been a very chaotic week for the entire state of Texas. I loved um, whenever I put on my plague masks to walk in the snow in Texas a mile to Target to try to get some food. And when I walked in and the electricity was off and it was just a few uh, spotlights here and there, when I walked to the food section, they're waiting for me were chromatica oreos oh my god <laughs> they'll be so there every- for you <laughs> everything else with the grocery store was taken but nobody yeah, wanted the chromatica <laughs> oreos but you yeah. yeah girls like all the soup's gone girl like all the like the perishable stuff that somehow like isn't you know trash is gone every flavor Lacroix, every cookie except the chromatica oreo she was waiting for me she was waiting i did, did not you? buy them though you did not I bought pocky instead <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny we also bought pocky well we went to 99 uh 99 ranch um market uh, yes. as our like winter storm grocery trip um and we bought several different flavors of pocky um uh, yes. and that was that was delightful but i i do got to say though uh, right before this uh horrific winter storm that destroyed our entire state happened <laughs> Um, I did find Chromatica Oreos at my local HEB, and let me tell you, there was a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. There was some today. We went grocery shopping today. There was a, barely any produce. There was no water of any kind, but there still were a bunch of Chromatica Oreos. Gay people don't live in Circle C. Um, that's the tea. I guess that's it's what all, it is. Yeah. <laughs> gay people can't be rich. That's the thing. And out came talk. Hey everyone! Hi. We are Kirk. I'm Dylan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix it in post. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. I like it. We're keeping. I'm keeping. Uh, we're, we're, we're keeping, keeping this. Um, and welcome to Straight People Movies. It's your new favorite podcast in which two yes, gays get together and talk about a straight movie that straight people love, and we ask why. Why? Why? Hi. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle. And I'm Dylan Garcia. And today we're going to be talking about maybe the most important film of all time. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Like, honestly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, let's let's just be honest here. And like, people felt that way back when it first came out. And I feel like since then, it's, you know, gotten the peaks and the valleys this movie has gone through in the Zeitgeist Girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This movie. Do the children know? Yeah. Do they know? We're here to preach the gospel of maybe the greatest romance film of all time. Oh, my God. We're going to be talking about (laughs) Titanic. Girl, <laughs> I know the amount of times that I just got just choked up, just like any time a scene would start, and like I've seen this movie a thousand times, uh, and I still just every time I'm like I'm gonna cry, I'm going to cry at so many parts in this movie, and and I did, and here's the thing, Dylan, I literally because we were in the middle of a uh, winter storm, I mm-hmm. for some reason I was just like no, I can't do this to myself, I can't watch Titanic, it's like too much, it's three and a half hours long, I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and then I finally put it on, and I went, oh my god, I love this movie, it's the best what, movie. Why was I afraid to watch this movie? I was like, oh Fine. god, Titanic, ugh, you know, but it's like, oh my god, no, this movie slaps, and it still slaps. It's incredible. The thing is, is that it doesn't. I mean, it does feel three and a half hours long. Oh, totally. But those three and a half hours go 
by so fast. It's like a, it's like going on like a nicest road trip with like friends. Oh my god, it, it's, like a... it's so well paced for such a long movie. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so great about like, <laughs> I feel like we've done like three incredible. We're gonna shit on some movies soon, I promise. But <laughs> we're just doing all of our favorite movies right now. But the thing with Titanic is that it like foreshadows literally everything so well like every everything is set up in the first half and is paid off in the second half everything thematic everything like even to the point of like watching i don't i'll get into it later but like it sets up so well in the first half the like architecture of the ship so that whenever the second half of the movie is a lot of running around on the ship and the ship crashing and stuff you're able to keep yourself in place so easily. Like I was never lost where they were. I knew exactly where everyone was all the time. And it's James Cameron is a genius. Like <laughs> praise yeah, him. That's the thing. And like, I, you know, I'm wondering if maybe we do need to like do avatar for this podcast. Cause I do think that like even more so than Titanic. <laughs> I watched avatar last year. I can't do it again. You can't. <laughs> is it, so is it good or is it not good? It's everything that makes, I mean, no, it's, okay. It does not hold up. We can save. We'll save it for the Patreon. <laughs> right, because I, I, Patreon we have. I, I think for me, Titanic more so than. I mean, I guess all James Cameron movies, except for maybe like. Well, okay. Let me rephrase. Not all of James Cameron movies, because I feel like Terminator is canon. Like everyone loves Terminator movies, yeah. but I think Titanic and Avatar have both been like the the. They've seen the biggest changes in public perception of any movie I can think of. It's like yes. Titanic. It won a million gajillion Oscars when it came out. It was, like, considered, like, one of the greatest movies of all time. The greatest romance movie of all time. Also, maybe the world's only still disaster romance film. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow pulled that off. And I think that, like, over the years, Titanic has been kind of, like, overly maligned, talked shit about, being seen as, like, a girly movie, et cetera, et cetera, whatever Mm -hmm. bullshit straight dudes have to say about it. And then 3D premiere, boom, made a shit ton of money again. And I feel like we are now at a point in, in culture where Titanic is actually finally getting forgotten about a little bit. Like it's been a little of a while. It's been like 25 yeah. years since the movie came out. Oh yeah. Well, and also like, especially because like, I feel like DiCaprio, I mean, not in the last year or so, but like both DiCaprio and Kate Winslet kind of both vanished for totally. kind of the, this, this kind of nouveau way of like, talking on the internet. Like they both kind of disappeared after their Oscars. And so when you disappear, like people don't get to really talk about you that much. Leo kind of came back with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but like the story behind that movie was Brad. Like right. Leo was kind of second fiddle, even though he was the lead of that movie. And so you have these, I, I mean, both of those people, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio are like the biggest actors in the world, but they haven't, what's the last thing you've seen them in? Totally. And that's a really good point because yeah, I guess with Leo, it really is only uh, Once Upon a Time. And then with Kate, I did ask my boyfriend like what has Kate Winslet been up to I feel like she's not been in anything other than Steve Jobs in the last like 10 years mm-hmm. and apparently she's going to be in some new big HBO miniseries like definitely like yeah. the next sharp objects trying to be that kind of thing I think in the mm-hmm. in the in the culture um and yeah I, I but that's I think that's pretty common I think for actors who had to wait a really long time to win their Oscars like actors yes like when, once Amy Adams finally wins her fucking goddamn Oscar that you know <laughs> oh, she's, she's gonna take a hiding. 10 year break <laughs> girl she is fully just gonna like go learn how to make shoes somewhere like fucking Daniel Day Lewis bitch is gonna leave yeah she's gonna be done after I mean how many times has she been nominated at this point like Six. eight <laughs> oh, it's been a, it's been a lot but yeah I mean I think that 
it's really interesting to talk about Titanic right now because I feel like, like I said, it kind of had its little anniversary moment in 2012 with the 3D release. Mm. Um, and then I think after that, like slowly but surely, like you kind of mentioned Leo and Kate being kind of the most, I mean, that is like the movie. I mean, we're going to talk about that, but it's like, yeah. it's it's all about the Leo and Kate romance. It's like probably one of the, the some of the best chemistry I think two actors have ever had on screen ever. <laughs> um and I think that now that they're kind of fading from the culture and Zoomers are kind of rising, it's like anything that like Zoomers haven't been able to like kind of grasp it. Like, I feel like it's starting to feel like it's getting lost. At least to me, it feels like it's getting lost a little bit. Yeah. And like, especially like the, the supporting actors in the movie are all people that kind of, I mean, like Kathy Bates is still here, but she kind of went back into her character actress lane. Like this is her, this is peak Kathy Bates when this was out. Um, Billy Zane, I don't know where he is right now. Uh, <laughs> Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton is dead. Bill Paxton died sometime in the last decade. He kind of always had a really pretty solid career as like a character actor, which kind yeah. of peaked with like Big Love, that HBO show with him and like Chloe Sevigny. Um, and then I feel like after Big Love wrapped, I think maybe about a year or two after that is when he, he, he died. Yeah. Um, and, but I think the best, the best thing about Bill Paxton though, in this movie is that James Cameron always finds a way to like work Bill Paxton into all of his movies. Um, and he always (laughs) plays like a similar kind of like really fun character. Um, he plays James Cameron. Yeah. He basically plays James Cameron in this movie in the, in the, in the modern day, in the, uh, the contemporary storyline about the like submarine, uh, diving down to, uh, Look at the and did you know that actually that that is the actual Titanic? They actually filmed what the actual Titanic for those those scenes. I don't know if all of that is like Titanic footage, but there's definitely real Titanic footage that James Cameron's team got for this film. That's incredible. Like, they went into the bottom God, of the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy. Uh, but he did it, and uh, and apparently the whole movie, like the the ship is truly modeled after the actual Titanic, like the fake ship. Including down to like its aesthetic, the like production design, like everything. They like, made like the, isn't like the the plates, like the china yeah. is correct. Yeah, like, it's all correct. Like it's like when it comes to maybe like I know people have complained about like some historical accuracy stuff that was like left out, but overall, when it comes to the design of the actual ship, the Titanic, they put a lot of effort into making it uh, like accurate to the time period yeah i know people are mad that like uh there's a scene at the very very end where kate winslet is on the uh, on the door and she's looking up at the stars and like the stars aren't correct or whatever but it's like calm down that's girl. so funny <laughs> well apparently they changed that for like some like 4k release of it on blu-ray oh really they yeah did the correct they stars. like george lucas did you know or they like <laughs> literally put new technology in this older film and apparently they put like i saw a, a screenshot of it and it's like the milky way like it looks absolutely insane <laughs> like because yeah. it looks so modern <laughs> in this like 1997 yeah. film um yeah so and it just like also like Titanic is never like, I mean, I appreciate the attention to detail, but it's not like the movie's ever selling itself on being like a documentary about the Titanic. Like it's at the end of the day, like a pretty straightforward, I mean, straightforward in a good way, romance film. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be, I think the takeaway, I think straight guys just have to find things about movies like this to be like, Oh, like I can't, yeah, no fuck Titanic. Cause like, it's that's like kind of the thing. That's like the major thing about James Cameron is that like, he doesn't want to, he's not, he's not a storyteller. He's a stylist. He's a visual storyteller. And like his like actual stories he tells are always really straightforward and they're very like we can go back to like the big 
criticism against Avatar is like, oh, it's Pocahontas. Oh, it's Ferngully. It's like, yeah, girl, we have, I think we have 11 stories that we can tell. Like, that's about it. And everything's a variation on it. Like, who cares if the story is cliche? You're looking at somebody who fucking built the Titanic. (laughs) You're looking at someone who built a new planet and a language and everything. Like, it's so, like, that, the story is the least important part of this. Like, please. I completely agree with you. I think it's really funny that people get so worked up about how, like, simplistic his stories are because it's, like, when you get down to, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, cinema, like, take away the fact that he is, like, a big blockbuster director and it's very clear that this man is, like, artistic as fuck. Like, it's like you said, like, he built whole worlds from scratch in Avatar. Like, Titanic is, like, an impressive feat of, like, filmmaking and special effects. And it's, like, just because, like, I mean, I guess it's because he's got the budget. It's, like, easy to, like, shit on him. But it's, like... Girl, like, give David Lynch a budget. What do you think he would fucking do with that budget? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's not like, and, and yeah. again, David Lynch is a different filmmaker. I'm not trying to compare. I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, why does David Lynch get to be a visual filmmaker whose stories can be, like, opaque and weird, but James Cameron can't tell, like, a simple story, but, like, it's dressed up fabulously. Like, let him dress it up fabulously. I don't understand. I don't get it. It's it, fine. It's, 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 it's <laughs> movies. Like, what do you it's, want? <laughs> Girl, I want a fucking train coming at me from the screen and thinking that I'm about to get hit by a train. Yeah. Like, that's all I want at the end of the day. Yeah, like the OG Ugh. original blockbuster film, like when the train came towards the people in the in the early 1900s, baby. <laughs> like, it's like, that's what filmmaking is about for me. It's like a spectacle, and it can be a spectacle like Ingmar Bergman's Swedish films, or it could be a spectacle like Titanic. Like, I try to treat them all the same. So when mm-hmm. straight boys come up to me and they try to shit on James Cameron, I'm like, have you seen True Lies? Have you seen have T2? You? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Get away. The guy's a genius. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Like, you don't have to like it, I guess, but it's like, whatever. Who cares if the story is stupid? <laughs> like, it does not It, it doesn't matter. does not matter. Star Wars' story is stupid, but, you know, we all consider it a masterpiece. So I don't really understand, like, why Titanic's any different. Well, like, in, like, Marvel stories, too, it's like, they're all the fucking same. It's all, some people want the box, and other people want the, the, the box. And then if we don't get the box, the world's going to explode. That's every movie, and there's 15 of them. Like... Shut up. <laughs> right, exactly. And what people like about a lot of the individual Marvel films is like the the tone or like the dialogue or like the way it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what your these films are playing around with. It's all just about like the way to tell the story, right? Because like you said, there's only like 11 stories to tell. So yeah. it's all about the execution. And I think that when it comes to Titanic and James Cameron in general, it all just gets down to this whole like, we all love it, love it, love it when it first comes out. And then everyone's like, actually, this movie link sucks. And then everyone just has to, has to shit over it. But I feel like no one ever makes any good, actual valid points about why these movies are bad. It's like, sure, there's a yeah. lot of flaws in Titanic if you look for them. I mean, you can find flaws in any movie if you look for them. Exactly. But overall, it's like, sit. you cannot sit there and tell me that you're sitting through this movie and you do not want to cry every 10 minutes. <laughs> like, I just don't. <laughs> like, it's like every time. Like, the romance between... I mean, I just want to jump right into, like, let's just jump right into Leo and Kate, because I think... Here, I'll, do the, I'll do the introduction real quick, oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. for formality. Uh, <laughs> we, today, if you don't know, we are talking about Titanic. It's a 1997 film directed by James Cameron, and it stars Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Billy Zane, Gloria Stewart, Francis Fisher, Bill Paxson, Kathy Bates, and I put this in here just for Dylan, Danny Nicky as Fabrizio. Oh my god, love me some Fabrizio. I also love the, the, the Irish character Tommy, too. Oh, what a hero. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Titanic, I mean, really? I mean, so we, 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 we kind of just spent a a, a while really singing James Cameron's praises, but even with all the amazing technical achievements he's able to do in Titanic, I truly, 
also agree that this movie would not work without the incredible yeah. performances by Kate and Leo in this movie and their uh, undeniable chemistry. They are so, it's like, <laughs> I feel, I feel like, like in Clue where it's flames, flames inside of my face, but good. Uh, I, the first time you see them is together is at the end of the, no, she's about to jump off. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, I was, I had never really understood why Leo was hot. Like, He's just not not for Dylan, not my yeah, flavor. Yeah, he's not, he's not my flavor either. But whenever he starts talking about it, he's like, you're not going to do it. And if you do, well, here, let me take off my shoes. I was like, oh my God, this is the hottest thing a man has ever done to anyone ever. <laughs> I agree. There's some, It's so funny that the film is written by a man. Because I do think yeah. that he, like James Cameron's able to kind of like prod at this thing that like women and then furthermore gay men are part of this too mm-hmm. this thing that like we <laughs> yeah. wish that men would do for us it's the same thing that bridgerton is doing in, in the modern day it's the same thing <laughs> that dirty dancing does it like all these kind of more like female centric movies i guess if you want to put it bluntly it's just like there's something about the way leo plays that character and the way he's written that it just it, it like hits a nerve and you're like oh my god like this is what i want like this is what i deserve this is what all women and all gay men should have is yeah. this man <laughs> It's weird because it's like it's similar in the driver and drive where it's like here's a guy who like is good at art but also can like build stuff and is like very rambunctious and can like just make things happen but in drive it seems so I think it's because it's not like fun at all like that the movie is so serious that it just comes across as like cloying and annoying whereas in Titanic it's like oh this person's allowed to like feel joy and be happy and be sad and it's so oh, Leo is so good in it. It's insane to me that this movie was nominated for fourteen Oscars and he wasn't one of them. Yeah, it's really interesting to me, especially because at the time Kate Winslet was kind of like a nobody, and he was yeah. kind of like the star power. Like the movie was. Well, kind he had already got an Oscar nomination, right. for Gilbert Gray. Well, I guess Kate Winslet had two for um, Sense and Sensibility, but I feel like Kate Winslet mm-hmm. like had this kind of like she was kind of like British actress, you know, like. She was kind of yeah. part of that world. And I feel like Leo was like already a heartthrob. I think, I believe Romeo plus Juliet had already come out at this point. Yeah, because that's yes. like And, you know, and he had already done like This Boy's Life. I mean, these are like serious films like The Basketball Diaries. But like, I mean, he's like, it's kind of like Timothy Chalamet kind of. It's like you go mm. see like Beautiful Boy, even though it's like a fucked up movie, but you're like there for Timothy, <laughs> you know. I think that was kind of similar for Leo. But I think Leo was kind of the, what, drawing people to the movie. And Kate was kind of like the nobody. Um, and I think yeah. Leo does an amazing job. I actually read and uh, watched an interview with him after I finished the film where he said that this is one of the toughest roles he's ever done because he's such a good guy and because he's such a like joyful, heartwarming character. He was like, it's really hard to make him feel real because he's used to playing okay. more like dark and like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, upsetting characters. And I thought that was really interesting. And I do think that is hard. I mean, as someone that's acted mm-hmm. here and there in my life, I definitely think when you're playing like a the good guy, it's really hard to find those peaks and valleys with the character and he finds them and makes it feel real somehow. And it's, I feel like it's easy to be like brooding and serious because people think acting is serious, but like acting is so many other, it's it's harder to be lighthearted and not comedic. I don't think this is a comedic performance at all, but it is very lighthearted, very romantic and a capital R sense. And that's, I think that's so difficult. I agree. And it's even more astounding uh, realizing that they were both literally 21 and 22 when they did this movie. Insane. I like truly can't (laughs) even, I like was like, it makes me so mad. I truly was uh, like flabbergasted. I was like, no, they were not that young, but Mm -hmm. they are. And they look, I mean, they look it. (laughs) 
normally whenever I watch older movies and stuff and I see like the lead actors and they're not like like uh textually like in like middle school or whatever I just like assume oh these people are older than me <laughs> like even though I'm fucking 30 I'm like I'll watch Kate Winslet and be like oh this woman this is a woman yeah, who's 30 I, I the same she's 17 Leo I was like oh this is a child <laughs> this is an infant who no like, yeah and what's screen. funny is I think he's the 20 he's the one that's 22 and Kate is 21 and it's so funny because I feel like Kate, like, at 21, like, has already such, like, a, a – I, I say this, like, a little, like, hesitantly, but, it's like, she feels very, like, like a woman. Like, like a str- – yeah. like, she almost – It's not like Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like Saoirse Ronan still has this, like, weird, like, like child-likeness to her, but she's just got a serious, like, vibe. Like, Kate Winslet, like, yeah. comes across – as like even like in heavenly creatures or like in her older films where she literally where she was like 15 teenager she comes across as like a woman it's just something about like her the way she yeah. carries herself i guess um it's like a it's like florence Pugh. that's i feel like florence Pugh has that energy i agree like, oh this is a, a, a fully ass adult when you're like 22 yeah yeah because what or if you're watching uh drag race uk lawrence cheney yeah it's like this man is not 23 are you fucking kidding yeah me? i know exactly yeah i agree with florence Pugh because i feel like after i saw midsommar i was like kind of shocked how young she was yeah um, I know. Did you ever see uh, Lady Macbeth? No, but that's like the movie that kind of put her on the map, right? Bitch, it's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to see that one. But yeah, I think that like, so Leo gives a great performance in it. Kate also, I think what I like, this is something that I think that makes this better than other romance films for me, is that I feel like when you think of other like famous romance movies, it's like, I feel like a lot of times it's the the, the male character is kind of similar to the Leo thing, very like, cunning and you know and and sweet and heroic and joyful and all these other things that like are the archetype of like the perfect man right but i feel like a lot of times the female characters can be really underwritten in those kinds of movies they're just kind of like meant to be vessels for the viewer i think so that you can fall in love Mm -hmm. with a man through her but i feel like kate winslet has a character in this movie and i think that is really something that makes titanic stand out for me like she has a character and it's very everyone is so fully developed everyone is so fleshed out like even like Victor Garber, who is like probably like tenth build in this movie, is like you full. He has a full arc that he goes through. You understand every decision he makes. It's like every every. It's like it's like how the production was. Everything is paid attention to, even in the acting and the characterization. That's a really good point because you're even like the captain of the ship, like is mm-hmm. bare. I mean, he's a instrumental part of the movie, but he's not really doesn't get a lot of screen time. But when you that part where he realizes the ship's going to go down and he has to go down with Ugh. it, it's like such a powerful moment even though we haven't spent Ugh. that much time with his character cuz he really plays yeah. I think James Cameron really plays with these archetypes really well in the movie. Some people might call it simplistic. I think it's really smart cuz it's like in this, you know, film every character you it, it makes sense like what is happening and what their fates are going to be and it's so tragic anyway yeah everyone um, is reacting differently to how your imminent death is basically and it's like that thing that's really interesting that not everyone has the exact same death like er, er, the exact same uh, reaction like there's that guard who keeps pointing the gun at people it's like women and children only and then he eventually just like breaks after killing with tommy and then he just kills himself like that's a reaction there's the uh my the part that makes me cry every fucking time <laughs> is when the band starts playing i know they, like, it gets me every time I know, and they and still, like, they, yeah. and then they try to break away, and then he starts playing again, and they just join him again. It's just like Ugh. it really, really works, even though it's like cheesy. It totally fucking works, yeah. and I think because I think the re- I think James knew this when he made the movie. Mm-hmm. The cheesy moments work because the backdrop is literally the sinking of the Titanic. Like, there's nothing yeah. <laughs> more 
horrific, tragic, terrifying, just sad than that story, that real life story. Zoomers, it is real. It happened. Um, (laughs) And I think that he's able to take it to those levels because it's the Titanic. Mm -hmm. And I think it it works because it's like, it's epic, you know? It's like, shit, if we were on that ship, I think we would all be just like these people. Like, shit, like, what what are you going to do? Uh, well, you know, um, another one of the, the uh, I think like a really famous tragic uh, characters, they're unnamed, but it is the characters who uh, are in the bed together as the water's rising. I know. With a family for You know me. who that is, right? Wait, who? That was uh, the great, great grandparents of one King Princess. Are you serious? Yeah, King Princess is uh, a, a Macy heir. Macy's. Well, I knew heir. that, but I didn't know that the, yeah, the, those the are, that her yeah. great great That's whatever them. grandparents died on the Titanic. Yes. So King and Princess is a zoomer that did know that the Titanic. Oh, is she, real. oh she been. <laughs> yeah, she can't watch Titanic. She's like, "That's that's Mamma and Papa." That right is there. that is a crazy fact. I did not know that. That is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, that part is really tragic. The family, yeah. like the mom, like reading the story, like the the Celtic like story to her children as they're going to sleep. That one really gets to me. I mean, for a PG thirteen movie, like there's that part where they try to save that little kid, and then like the dad like takes him back, and he goes the wrong way, oh and they try God. to stop him, and then they like drown. And I'm like, damn, like this God. movie, like don't give a fuck. Like it's like, okay, how the fuck they show Kate Winslet's nipples. <laughs> I know it's so and it's PG 13. Let me, let me tell a little anecdote really quick. Shout out to my Let's friend, go. Will Dolphin. Um, I've known him for my entire life. Um, he and I at a sleepover in second grade watched Titanic. This is how it went down. <laughs> Will and I had a sleepover. I think it was like one of our first times hanging out actually. So that's really fun for our friendship, oh. but he brought two movies from blockbuster and our choices were Goldfinger, the James Bond movie, or Titanic. And I chose Titanic. I was like, let's watch Titanic. And we watched in second grade. I mean, how old were we? Like eight years old? We watched the entire movie. The entire movie. Titanic. Like, people say that kids don't have good attention spans. I just don't agree with that. I think that, like, if you, you, you make them think they don't, but if you, like, leave them unsupervised, like, I watched fucking Titanic, and I remember. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like I feel like back then we were like so. I mean, like now it's like we're so like infantilized everywhere. It's like everything has to be like ten episodes to keep your attention, or it has to be a movie like a short like ninety minute, or it has to be Marvel or whatever. It had to be like really serialized. Where it's like no, the big audience behind Titanic was teenage girls, right? And they can watch a three and a half hour long movie, and it's not infantilizing it doesn't speak down to them it's this incredibly like adult story or adult told story that people love like it doesn't have to be ip all the time right and i think that there is something to that when it comes to like these movies that tend to get like clocked as like movies for teenage girls because it's like right now like the number one song in the u.s is like driver's license by olivia rodrigo and snl just did this really (laughs) hilarious sketch about people like older like men connecting with it and i think it's like titanic's kind of <laughs> like that same vibe where it's like sure like the movie can be seen as maybe a little juvenile and it's for quote teenage girls or there's media that's for quote teenage girls but i think that there's something about that kind of stuff that like if you just like let yourself just like put all your like preconceived notions away and connect to it you really truly do feel something and it feels good yeah. it feels good you know, look, it's, it's cathartic. It's we don't have we can't watch we don't have to watch like complicated shit all the time. Right. Like it's easy to watch a simple movie done very well. 
Right. And it's like, it's so, so it's funny because it's like two eight-year-olds watch Titanic. I mean, I, I the main thing I remember is that we both closed our eyes, you know, like, you know, for the, the nude, <sighs> yes. the nude scene, but we, we didn't, of course. Um, and it's, saw, it's funny. You saw those nips. It's just funny because it's like, yeah, like it, it's really, it's so funny because I, I, I remember in the late nineties, there was so much talk about like the NPAA and like, they need to be like harsher on movies and like all this other stuff. But like, yeah, like Titanic is something like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it. I, I think for me, it's like, it's weird that it's PG-13, like in retrospect, but at the same time, like I watched that whole movie as a kid and I felt affected. Like I didn't feel desensitized by what was happening. I mm-hmm. felt affected to it as affected as an eight year old can be, you know, <laughs> like I remember watching Titanic and being like, oh my God, like this is terrifying, you know? And yeah, and the last act of that movie is genuinely scary. It's horrifying. I literally was like so pacing. Scary. I had like keep pausing it and like pace and like I was like shaking like it makes me really nervous like and every time I watch Titanic I do that thing where I'm like maybe it'll be different this time maybe the Titanic <laughs> won't sink like because <laughs> it's so horrifying to watch I'm, no. it's just amazing it's so long it's such it, a that... long movie and, and the Titanic sinking is literally two hours long it's like yeah. half of the movie almost it's, and it I, I feel like it never repeats things that are scary about it like all the water stuff that happens in the movie is scary for different reasons. All the ship breaking and moving, all the... It's like, I don't know. I'll cut this part out. (laughs) No, it's crazy. I do agree that it's very dynamic. Like, it's like for an hour and a half of literally just them trying to, like, get through the ship, they find... I mean, the movie could have literally just been the last half. I mean, it also could have been just the first half. I mean, that's what's really cool about the movie is there's a very clear... And I remember with the VHS, there was a very clear, like, when you had to, like, put in take two. It was like right after yep. they hit the iceberg. It's like, all right, I put in tape two. Like, and it's like, it feels like kind of like a different <laughs> movie, but it somehow works. And I think that like, you kind of do need both parts for the movie to work as a whole. Um, Correct. Because the beginning, the first half of the movie is a very dynamic, I think romance. And then the second half is a very dynamic disaster movie. Like it isn't just explosions and like horrible things happening. Like it tells a story. They end up down in the fucking like ease section or whatever the fuck, like five <sighs> times. I was like, Kate and Leo, why do you keep going back down there? But Things happen. Everything's gated off. Everything's you know, he, gated off. He gets arrested. Oh, yeah, he drops the keys. You know, he, oh my God, when they drop, that is one of the most horrific parts of the movie is when they drop the keys. <laughs> and that guy's like, sorry, I tried to help. I'm like, I feel like that's very me. Like, I would like try to help, but then if I fucked it up, I'd be like, I'm sorry, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have a panic attack and leave. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of really, it's a real, it's a roller coaster ride. And I think that it's so interesting that a movie that's considered the greatest modern romance film is also maybe one of the most spectacle, technical special effects achievements in the last like, yeah, 30 I feel years like, of well, movies. When we think of like special effects stuff, it's always in the genre of sci-fi. It's always superhero. It's never, it's all fantastical where it's like, here's a movie that is just as, if not more technically adept than those movies. And it has no supernatural elements to it. And I don't think it's talked about in the same breath when it should be talked about, like, as a, a feat. Right. Filmmaking. It's like a period piece, and it's not a war movie. It's, like, it's like really mm-hmm. one of a kind, you know? There's nothing yeah. else like this film. Um, and I guess that this would be a good time to bring up the fact that, like, I, I don't know if you knew this, but after doing some more research on the film after rewatching it, I mean, it's not surprising, I suppose, but it was a production nightmare, uh, this oh. movie. Uh, apparently James Cameron, the mad genius that he is, was a total <laughs> psycho on the set of this movie. 
I mean, tracks. I don't know if I like blame them though, because it's like when you've got like hundreds of crew members, hundreds of extras, like you're pulling off these insane shots. Like, how else are you supposed to run your ship? Pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many scenes in this movie where I'm like, how did they get 500 extras like this, like all dressed immaculately? Like that opening scene where they're like loading up the Titanic. I'm like, literally, how did they do this? No, me too. And like, you know, you can obviously from a modern viewer's eyes, you can see like the CGI that's like put in here and there, especially in the last half. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty, I would actually say it's pretty minute. Like it's pretty impressive yeah. how little CGI they use. A lot of it, you can tell, really is, like, the real deal. Like, it's stuntmen Mm -hmm. falling down on this, like, ship that's going 90 degrees up. Like, (laughs) I think I read that, there like, a lot of things were made of rubber so that people could, like, hit fucking things. I mean, like, it's... (laughs) It's pretty intense, like, and these sweeping shots, like, across the ship of all these people, like, falling off of it. And I'm just like, it's it's astounding. It really, really is. True. The only special effects that I think don't work and it's very famous is the breath and that when they're in the water oh yeah i i was telling it's like bad <laughs> the thing that the, the 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 weekly fact that i told my boyfriend while we were watching this movie uh because i always turn to him and say something during one of these movies that we're we're watching this this one was that i said the most cgi that was used in this movie was actually in this scene with the breath <laughs> and it when you say most cgi it definitely is the most CGI. yeah it's like really ridiculous it looks like fucking like Scooby-Doo, like ghost, like, like it's like coming out of their mouth, like fucking like Haunted Mansion, Eddie Murphy. Like that's where my brain's going. <laughs> like that kind of vibe. It's very that. Yeah. Uh, I feel that. It doesn't work. It's it's kind of distracting actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it was a crazy movie. He was a psycho on set. Apparently like people were quitting the movie left and right. Kate Winslet vowed to never work with him again. But lo and behold, she's in Avatar 2. Um, wait, I cannot wait to see her underwater shit. Yeah, she's she got over it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what's most insane about this movie, though, and I guess none of us really thought of it this way, or at least people in our age group, because we grew up with this movie. It's like this movie was a $200 million movie. It was like one of the most expensive movies ever made. And it is a romance that's three and a half hours long about the Titanic sinking. So you, <laughs> you best believe that the studio, even though they wanted to trust James because he had made hits out of like Terminator and all that, that they were very nervous about this fucking movie because it's mm-hmm. like they went over budget. He like forfeited his salary for the movie. Like he really God. believed in it. And they were like, they were so nervous. They were like, this movie is not going to work. Um, and they wanted them to cut it, like, the whole nine yards. Like, they were, like, truly did not think this was going to work. Yeah. And You can't cut <clears throat> anything in this movie because it'll fall apart. Yeah. and Everything is there on purpose. It's a really well-edited movie because I think that there are there are scenes that have been cut that I've, like, read about. And they all were like, oh, that makes sense that they cut that. Like, it's like, that was a good yeah. call. Um, I do think the movie is really well paced and it, it, it deserves its three hour and 15 minute runtime. Like it needs that mm-hmm. time to tell this whole story. Um, and I, and I do appreciate that the sinking of the Titanic, they really like try to do it in as much of a kind of like real time as possible. Cause it really makes you feel immersed in what's going on. It's mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. Well, there's that scene, uh, I guess like in the, uh, I guess the beginning of the second act or something where the, one of the researchers like shows the, the, cgi model of the titanic sinking and it explains every single thing that happened they're like this is how we think it happened it's like everything and that's exactly how it happened yeah and i was like oh cool science is cool yeah i love it. i love that gloria stewart is older rose is just like mm, thank you so much for that lovely demonstration that's not exactly how i remembered it though i saw <laughs> hundreds of people fucking die <laughs> okay <laughs> um and yeah it's um yeah it's it's really it's really astounding and i think that like 
it's okay. I mean, I'm not, no, maybe I am going to call you out, viewer. If you don't like Titanic, what is your problem? Like, why are you being such a hater? I just don't get it. Literally slide into our DMs, either any of our socials, and just, we don't want to, just don't be rude. Just be like, this is why I don't like it. And we will gladly ignore you. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) We, we will come up with some sort of really petty response or something. Um, because, you know, I get it. There's a lot of things. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, and I don't know about how you felt about this, Dylan, but I think the biggest, if I was going to criticize the movie a little bit, I think the way it handles class in the movie is simultaneously impressive for like a big movie like this, but also a little tone deaf at times for me. It, I agree with that. I was, I was very impressed with like the really big picture, like kind of metaphor. Like I liked how it handled class metaphorically. Um, and it had this very like... Uh, just visually, like almost like a wave. If that, ma- I mean, like it would fit as a wave. But I was really impressed, like specifically at the beginning of the movie where they're on the ship and they're like, "Okay, let's go faster." And the captain pulls the the go faster cling cling, <laughs> and then down there that <laughs> that that goes to the second layer of people who like react are like, "Okay, well, we're gonna turn on the the." The hubcaps. I don't know. Hubcap? That's not the right Oh, my thing. God. The, <laughs> the pistons? Is that what they are? Are they pistons? I don't fucking know how a boat works, girl. <laughs> and then beneath that, there's the sub-layer of the people shoveling the coal. Yeah. And then that is, in the second half of the movie, is mirrored with the coal people go first, then the people who run the boat go second, and then the captain goes last. And I liked that as just, like, a visual metaphor, also like, as a metaphor for class and also how the ship fucking works. Uh, but yeah, one I do agree with you that once it gets kind of in the minutia of it, it's a little. Mm. It gets weird because it's like it, it points out all these things that are very true, like that the working class and like the people working on the ship are going to be the first to go. But mm-hmm. I think what's weird is the movie tries to simultaneously be like try to get the viewer to notice that like they are definitely really trying to be like there is a class problem going on on the Titanic. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I feel like the movie like <laughs> no, it's like it feels like the movie should have got like a little further with it. It's like. Either, like, not care about this because it's just, like, you're making a blockbuster spectacle romance or you need to, like, actually get into the nitty-gritty of the class issue here because, for me, it's, like, Kate Winslet's, like, the actual protagonist of this movie and she's a rich girl and basically Leo saves her with his, like, poor, like, free-spirited... He saves the last dances her. Yeah, it's just all very, like, it's almost like... I never heard of this term before, but, like, poor savior? Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, like a like a like a poverty porn. Yeah, it just feels very like oh, the poor person taught or the poor people too, because she goes and dances with them and has this amazing night with them in that one scene. It all feels very mm-hmm. like rich girl kind of like infiltrating like poor like lower class spaces and being like, wow, they're so free spirited. And then she literally survives the Titanic and goes and yeah. lives this amazing <laughs> life where she like safaris around the goddamn world and gets everything she wants. And it's like, what about all the people that fucking died because they were poor on the ship? And it just feels very yeah. like. The movie points out that there's class issues, but then the movie doesn't really do anything with them, which makes me think that James Cameron also hasn't really thought about the intricacies of what was going on on the Titanic with that stuff. Yeah, it's a little yada yada. It's a little yada yada. I do think the the actual most interesting thing about class commentary that I think that gets really right is with uh, Kathy Bates' character, Mary Brown. How she's like described in the beginning as like nouveau rich, she's like new money, and everyone's kind of like doesn't like her, and there's a class dynamic within like the upper class. Uh, but then at the very end, she's on the boat going away, and she tries to suggest, "Hey, let's go back and try to save more people. We can fit more people on here, or whatever." And the captain's like, "No, we're not, we're not going to." And she's 
trapped in this system. She's like, shit, I remember what I was like to be poor. Is did I? And like, you can kind of tell on her face. Kathy Bates is an incredible actor. In that like two second scene, she's just like, oh, this is who I've become. I completely agree with that assessment. I thought that was one of the more powerful moments in the film as well when it came to class because also uh, Rose's mother is on the boat with them and there's this whole scene earlier where it's uh, uh, revealed that they're broke and that's why Rose is being thrust into this like Mm. horrific engagement with Billy Zane's absolutely terrible, terrible human being of a character. Um, like that we we were like forty five minutes into the pod, we have not mentioned Billy Zane. Yeah, no, God, he is the worst part. God, of is this going to be a two parter pod? Because I mean, there's a lot to cover <laughs> here. But but I think we that got, we got more because I think for me it was really interesting because it's like she's like, do you want me to be a seamstress? Like, do you want to see me like being basically poor? Like, how would that make you feel? And yeah. I think that in when Rose stays back, it's a really powerful moment for the mother because she's like. On the boat, she doesn't speak up like Kathy Bates does, but you can see in her eyes as she's hearing the screams of all these, like, people dying on the ship because they were, like, not rich enough to get on one of these, like, lifeboats that she's thinking, that could have been me. So easily. Mm. I Almost them. And I think it's a very, like, humanizing moment. And I and I love that they left, don't let her off the hook, though, because, like, Rose, like, gets out at the end of the movie, changes her name to Rose Dawson, and, like, I, I assume never sees her mother again. Girl, that's when I love that. to cry. <laughs> I love that. I think that that might actually be the bravest thing about the movie is that the movie has a abusive relationship with a parental figure, and the movie was brave enough to be like, Annie Noah, and she said, fuck her mom. Because I feel like a lot of movies mm-hmm. are afraid to do that, especially blockbuster movies. It's like, if oh, she was... Yeah. If she was not a good person for her to have in her life. Like, good for fucking Rose. Like, get away from her. You know? Rose rules. Yeah. I love Rose. I love Rose. And I think that's the thing, too. Is like, yeah, I was, like, criticizing her character choices. But at the end of the day, it's, like, for me, I blame that more on, like, obviously the writing. Because Kate does so gives so much humanity to the character. She's so likable. And you relate to her because everyone, it, her, it's like a blossoming story. It's a coming-of-age story, really, at the end of the day. I mean... I don't know if she loses her virginity to Jack in the car, but the scene has that feel to it. It just feels yeah. very like, it's like what all of us want. We just like, that's the and way I you love, fall in love, you know? Yeah. I love that you see the car being loaded in at the beginning. That's like the first shot of the movie, the first shot of the flashback. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. The movie, you're right. The movie is so, it like doesn't, it hits everything, everything in the screenplay. It's so good. It's, it misses nothing. It's beautiful. Perfect, perfect movie. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of like perfect movie, I think we do need to get into the Oscar history of it because like, I think this movie is synonymous with Oscar, especially like this is kind of the peak of when the Academy Awards were in the culture. This is the most viewed one ever. Um, it nominated for 14 tied with our favorite movie, All About Eve. Yes. Uh, and, and it ended up winning 11, uh, Oscars with, uh, the, which I think tie is the tie for most with Ben-Hur. Which I've never seen Ben Hur, but I don't want to watch it. Do I yeah, have to? I really have no desire to watch Ben Hur. <laughs> we might, <laughs> if, if you want to do it, we'll put it on the list. There's 85 other movies ahead of it. Um, but yeah, it won. It only the only above the line that it won were picture and director, and everything else was below the line technical categories. Um, it was including. One, I think, for the most famous part, we also haven't mentioned this yet, which I think is synonymous also with the Oscars and stuff, is the Celine Dion. Of it I mean, all. the and Celine. My heart will go on. The Celine. I mean, the song went number one. Like, not. For ever. I, I mean, I guess, like, the only soundtrack song I can think of other than My Heart Will Go On that went number one is, is Shallow from A Star Is Born. <laughs> yes. But it was probably like. And I Will Always Love You. 
Um, I will always love you. And I guess like that like happy Pharrell Williams song did well. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Let's not talk about that one. Let's talk about that one. We only want ballads. Uh, but I, uh, this is also like peak soundtrack like era because mm-hmm. it's like 97, 98. This is where every movie had a fucking soundtrack and every soundtrack was iconic. City of Angels, Armageddon, Godzilla, iconic. The Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. Uh, which one? Is it the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack with Aaliyah? <laughs> Honest with Aaliyah, iconic. Um, but the score, the score is basically just the penny whistle for my heart will go on over and over again. Dylan, I, that's like probably my favorite <laughs> observation of the movie I've ever heard. Cause you're right. It's like, you notice <laughs> it, but you don't, but it really is just like... <laughs> <laughs> like every <laughs> 10 minutes they find a way to work it into the scene. <laughs> there is it is like whoever did the score, I'm not going I have a tie about but I'm not going to do it. But it's like whoever did the score heard the word motif once and was like I'm going to do a whole score of motif. That's it. I think it's really funny that, like, Celine Dion also apparently doesn't even, like, like the song that much and, like, didn't want to do it and was, like, kind of forced by her husband, I think, to do it. Apparently that's, like, the first take. That's, like, the only take of it. It's, like, the demo, apparently, which is psychotic. That's so crazy. But she probably also was like, I need to get this over with, so I'm giving it my all. Well, um, so I think two big things happen. I'll actually, we'll circle back to the real thing about the movies, but my favorite story about uh, the Oscars this year to, uh, with Titanic is that Elliot Smith was also nominated uh, for Goodwill Hunting and performed at the Oscars. Have you heard this story? I have. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I I knew that like Elliot Smith performed at the Oscars, but I guess it didn't really like hit me that it was like the same year as Celine Dion's like mega hit. Oh my god! <laughs> like so, he is like I, I pulled. I have a quote for it that I want to read. Uh, this is like a really rare interview with Elliot Smith from uh, 2003 with Under the Radar Mag, um, and so this is Elliot Smith talking about Celine Dion. Um, she was really sweet, which made it impossible for me to dislike Celine Dion anymore. Even though I can't stand that music, uh, that she makes with all due respect, I don't like it as much at all. (laughs) Don't like it as much at all. That's weird. Uh, but she herself was very, very nice. She asked me if I was nervous and I said, yeah. And she was like, that's good because it gets your adrenaline going and it'll make your song better. It's a beautiful song. Then she gave me a big hug. It was too much. It was too human to be dismissed simply because I find her music trite. I know, isn't it like? It's, it's like so jealous. weird because he like keeps shitting on her, but I also find it really like heartwarming <laughs> that like the only person who was nice to Elliot Smith was Celine Dion. Yeah, like, it's so... might be the only person that was ever nice to him, just based on the way his <laughs> life sounded. Uh, Poor baby, I know. <laughs> girl. Um, but I do think this also has an important uh, trajectory and kind of brings it back to like the straight peopleness of this, uh, because one of the straightest things in the entire universe is people losing their fucking mind about Leonardo DiCaprio getting an Oscar. When is he going to get an Oscar? <sighs> when? And this is the beginning of it. Maybe not the beginning of like the discussion around it, but him being snubbed while everyone, while Kate and Gloria Stewart got nominations and he didn't, uh, especially after being nominated for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, is the very, very beginning of this decade-long annoying 
uh, campaign to get Leonardo DiCaprio an Oscar. Yeah, and I think for me, it goes back to something we've noticed in the other episodes, which is this whole, like, straight people stealing things from us. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. was originally the uh, teen heartthrob for the mm-hmm. gays and for women. And then it's like he, the moment he did a Scorsese movie, it was like game over. It's like it's he over. got stolen. Because uh, I feel like for me, it's like, Maybe it was, like, more of a, like, give Leo an Oscar, like, campy sort of thing at first. And then once he did The Departed, oh, my God, The Beach. But once he did The Departed (laughs) in 2006, from then on out, he became, like, a straight guy's actor. And then I felt, and then, of course, Wolf of Wall Street really fucking solidified Mm -hmm. that. And I think that from then on out, he became kind of, like, like. Him and, like, Joaquin Phoenix became, like, the ultimate, like, straight boy actors of our time. Yes. And it's so annoying because, like, with Joaquin, he always was that. So, like, I don't care. But with Leo, (laughs) it's like he used to be for us. He used to do things like Romeo plus Juliet. And then Scorsese was like, I'm going to take this teen heartthrob and I'm going to show him that he's a, that he's a, you know, complicated, you know, gangster. It's just like, I I love, I'm not trying to shit on Scorsese. I'm not, like, one of those gays. But it's just like, it's like, it is disappointing, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's upsetting. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, and I, you know, yeah, I agree that, like, his whole, like, like him finally winning for the revenue, it was, it kind of did feel like, thank God, like, just give him his fucking Oscar. Like, let's just stop talking about Leo and the Oscars. I mean, he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street. I'm just going to say that. He was was, at 2012. What year? Who did he beat? Who did he beat? I don't remember. Let's look that up. 2012 Oscars. Um, So that's, that's the Argo year. I just watched Argo yesterday for some reason. Why? Uh, My in-laws were watching it. And so I was like, Oh, it's a very in-laws movie. Oh, they love it. (laughs) Um, So, okay. This is 2011. I hate whenever it's, I look up 20, 2012 Oscars and they give me the airing the year it aired because it's, it's not the, always off by it's year. It's not the year Jean Dujardin one, was it? Uh, no, it's uh oh wait, this is 2013 shit. 2013. That's 20 that's 2011. God, what a I can't believe you gave Jean Dujardin an Oscar. Was I don't even remember. Oh God, I can't keep up with it anymore. So it was the 20 okay 20 oh God no it's even darker. 2013 is Matthew McConaughey's Dallas Buyers Club. The darkness. <laughs> I'm. Literally hurt by your statement. It truly. This is besides Lupita winning. Lupita Nyong'o winning for Twelve Years a Slave, which is iconic. Um, this is like one of the really worst dark, years. I mean, like I like Kate and Blue Jasmine, but the nominations but like, are just bad. Though, like there was really no yeah. one else this year they could have nominated for Best Actress. I, I know Philomena got. You, well, you know I love American Hustle. Um, oh my God, Dylan. And, <laughs> You know I love American House. You know I. Uh, I know they. I have, have, let's just let's I'm just get out of the open. Like Dylan loves David O. Russell. Everyone. I love David. I agree with everything he's ever done. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this is a psychotic year. Jared Leto getting his. Jared Leto has an Oscar. <laughs> That's not we, for Panic honestly. Room. I don't even want to talk about Dallas Buyers Club. Like it's just to me. Like if you're a listener and so you're like, bad. why do they hate Dallas Buyers Club? Like just look it up. Like it's just honestly like just, fuck that just, movie. It's a disgusting it's movie. It's it. disgusting. It sucks. I hate it. All right. Well, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's let's jump into. Um, so, I mean, we obviously have expressed that we really like this movie a lot. Is, is it yeah. still a straight person movie? Would you still consider it a straight person movie? I think so. I think it's like so big in the culture that it's like uh, it's the 
ratio between gay and straight love is like too large for the gay stick over it. Yeah, and I think that the movies like Virgin, like I love the romance, but it really is a straight romance at the end of the day. Like there's like other, I mean, it is a tragic romance, but the tragedy of mm-hmm. it does not mirror the gay kind of like queer canon at all. No, um, no, it's very much a like romance for like for lack of a better word, like, for women. Like, it's, like, it is definitely yeah. targeted, and it, it worked, you know, because it's, like... It, girl, it worked. It made Leo and Kate well, also a thing like, for decades now. Well, that was a big thing about, like, everyone was like, watch a revolutionary road, it's the reunion, and it's like, uh, that's not the reunion you want, girl. Oh, my God, that movie... <laughs> like, I, I actually really... I, I, I just have to say, I dislike that film. Um, I and I think I that I think it. the acting in it's bad. I like actively. I, I love Kate. Like I, she's one of my favorite actors. I think, and I think she's actively bad. Are you in saying that? that uh, are you saying Michael Shannon is giving a little too much? In that I movie? actually liked Michael Shannon in it because I think <laughs> Me too. that I, love Michael Shannon. I think it, without Michael Shannon's performance, it the whole movie really would fall apart because then because they yeah. they kind of have to match his weirdo energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, for me, yeah, it's not my favorite Kate performance. I like love her in Eternal Sunshine. I like it when she underplays a little bit. So I think when good. she plays just kind of yeah. nor like just a person, she's very. Mm-hmm. It's very natural, very good. I really, yeah, she's great. It's the same thing with Meryl. It's it's how I feel about Meryl. Yeah, like I love her in um fucking uh the hours. That's one of my favorite performances by Meryl because she plays like a real fucking person in that movie instead yeah. of like a character. Fuck the hours is so good. I love the hours. My God. We should do, like, every year we should do, like, a gay person movie, like, one-off episode, and we have to do the hours first. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it's 15 hours long. It's us talking about the hours. Because I think, Uh, I don't know anyone that likes the hours except for, like, me and you. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's not even a gay person movie. It's just a Dylan and Kirk movie. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, yeah, it's straight. So, yeah, the the movie's straight. straight. The romance is straight. It, it, It... plays with all the things that are I mean I think one of the coolest things about this movie is it's kind of like a old classical Hollywood movie but like with modern yes. technology being used so it's like this is a movie that would have been made in the 30s or something with a similar romance similar story except now we have all this technology and I think that's kind of what makes Titanic I guess it's like I'm kind of going on in like a uh, some another tangent now but it's like I think that that's kind of why it has had staying power because it really uses the tropes of like what has already worked in movies for yeah, you know, for, for decades it's a, it's already a, at this point. And yeah. it, it plays with that idea. But anyway, so, but I think that that, that does play into it because like, there's nothing straighter than old classical Hollywood cinema. If it doesn't right. star Joan Crawford or Betty Davis. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I think that Jack is another example again mm-hmm. that we've had already several times before of this kind of like this perfect hero. Yeah. You know, he's, he knows what to do. He helps you, he helps you find yourself, helps you, find out what love is and takes you out of the terrible situation you're in and, you know, saves you and rescues you. But at the end of the day, you can only do so much. I know. And it's almost like, kind of like, yeah, I think that maybe if Leo didn't die in the movie, would the character work? No, I think he has to. He has to die. I think it's it's almost like a Christ-like figure. I think it's, it's yeah it's a little too uh messianic and i love it i feel like that is such a straight thing too because i think it's like in queer world it's like the the tragedy is that things are taken away from us and like we everything Mm -hmm. is fleeting but in like straight world it's like it had to be fleeting for it to mean something and it's like fuck (laughs) y'all like like, (laughs) all we get is fleeting all we get is fleeting you know so i think we relate to it to a certain degree and that's why a lot of gays like like titanic and like romance films so there's something Mm -hmm. there but i think that that's the biggest difference for me is it's like 
for us, it's not like, oh, well, I get to go live my life, like, free. And, like, Jack told me to, like, live to my fullest, you know? It's like, no, in a gay romance, you don't even get to say good fucking goodbye in a gay romance movie. You know? <laughs> no, they... You just have to imagine, even though you don't know how they die, you just imagine they got beat up on the side of the road a la Brokeback. Yeah, Brokeback to me is, like, the canonical, like, tragic gay romance ending, even if it is, like, made oh, cry by straight people. And... Every time. <laughs> it's so good, though. And, uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, and, you know, I think yeah, there's a lot of straight things about this movie. I think the straightest thing about the movie for me, though, is it's, like, I love a movie that's, like, trying to appease to everyone. It's, like, we got romance for the girls, and we got two hours of special effects and ship sinking <laughs> for the guys. So they can, yeah, so that did. by the end of the movie, if they do cry, they it's earned, you know? They're, like, well, fucking ship mm-hmm. sink, okay? Like, it's pretty fucking tragic. <laughs> and it's, like, not even just, like, the ship sink. It's, like, they tell you the nitty-gritty, the technical details of how everything that goes. we got to reverse the rudders and make sure that everything goes this way. And it's, like, you get car technician you get engineering which is very straight yeah i i love uh, it i think james cameron really hit the nail on the head you know and like i read a whole article about how like titanic was considered like the movie that makes men cry like it's like the the ultimate movie that makes men cry because it's like a it's the but the tragedy of it is like hard to ignore i mean obviously the titanic sinking it's tragic but also i think it's because his character is such a like hero like he honestly if more Mm -hmm. men could model themselves after jack that would be great because i think that his character really is like what someone that is in love is supposed to do for their partners like and i think that men probably watch the movie too and go like damn like jack really like sacrificed himself for his girl like that's like that's (laughs) you know also like history is straight i feel like just history as a concept just like reading about history and learning that straight girl yeah i feel like for me there's period movies that are no is oh whoa you made my my brain fart for a second is there a period movie that i could confidently say is gay because uh, uh, i want to say pride <laughs> and prejudice and i was like no that's like more in the titanic vein yeah, it's like for for like, it's for straight women. It's not for me. It's for straight women. And atonement it's... is kind of gay. Girl. I think atonement might be the closest <laughs> we've got. Oh no, to the it. answer is well. Does it does Anna Karenina count? Oh well, I mean, is it, this Joe is like the, the the long line of movies that Dylan suggests that are like d- box office <laughs> disaster starring Kira Knightley that only he likes. <laughs> It's because I watched every single Kira Knightley movie last year. Uh, <laughs> like a psycho. Um, and yet Ryan Gosling is my most viewed. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, so, I yeah, know. I think, yeah, if anyone has a suggestion for a period movie that That's- is gay, let us know. I mean, I'm sure there's like some like artsy movies I'm not thinking about right now. But I, but you, you can't say first cow. <laughs> but first we're cow is kind of gay kelly right i mean it. no kelly reichardt's movies are all gay though yes yeah, like old like joy to me old joy to me is like the is the like two men being in love but don't know how to express that to each other movie it's like the ultimate <laughs> it's the dudes rock the movie it's amazing and i heard that first cow has a similar kind of friendship too i haven't seen it yet but i heard me neither those are the yeah those are the two i haven't seen yet i also uh, like I have a huge crush on john Majero from that movie i don't know okay. like he was in the umbrella academy and i just find him very cute with his like raspy voice and 
Okay. He's like, an, I don't know. He's a cutie. John, if you're listening, I think you're a cutie. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I, speaking of hitting on men across the internet, let's talk about things in the movie that are gay. I got a list. Yeah, I feel like there's plenty of things about this. There's plenty of moments yeah. that are gay in this movie, for sure. Definitely. I think the gayest moment, however, is whenever Rose threatens to jump into this sea because she was bored at a party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which like grow like get in line, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> that I think you're totally right about that one. I mean, if there there's nothing gayer than that, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, so like another gay thing in this movie. Um, I mean, we mentioned them in passing earlier, but the presence of Victor Garber and Kathy Bates, like, girl, they're gay as shit. Yeah, it's it's just like. My favorite, I mean, Kathy Bates is more on the, like, she's gay canon as an actress. Her performance in Misery is literally, like, everything. Iconic. But Victor Garber is kind of this, like, amazing, like, he's one of those that guys when you're watching a movie. You're like, that guy. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, in every movie, he's gay. And he just plays these, like, really small, like, supporting roles in every movie. And he's so good in all of them. And I think that that is gay. It's just, like, he's just been kind of, like, under the radar for, like, decades. Just, like, killing the game. And I love that for him. Look, there's nothing gayer than being a character actress. And Victor Garber got it down. Yeah, it's so true. A character actress is literally the most gay thing in the world it's the best supporting he's a character actress uh trapped in a in a fab man's body yes he's he's a cutie i think for sure oh he's so cute and he's looked the exact same like i watched um the rogers and hammerstein cinderella that they put on disney plus finally which is iconically great um and victor garber looks the exact fucking same that's so funny. I need to watch that. I, I keep seeing it on Disney Plus, and I'm like, God, I need to revisit this movie. It's been way too long. It's cute. It is 80 minutes long. <laughs> we love an 80 minute long movie, especially after watching movie, unless it's Titanic. <laughs> unless it's Titanic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and I, I think you you mentioned it earlier, but definitely the penny whistle every <laughs> 10 minutes in the movie, playing the <laughs> "My Heart Will Go On" melody is like so. It's like they find a way to work it into every scene, and that's very gay to me. So good. How okay? Just, just a quick caveat. We've already been going for kind of long, but I, we can keep it going. What? Where do you stand on Celine? Because I love her. I don't think I've ever really been like a Celine fan. I think it's really just by happenstance, though, because as a kid, mm-hmm. I made my parents buy me literally every single solo female singer or girl group <laughs> album ever from 1996 to like 2004. Um, I don't yes. know how I missed Celine. I don't think that I ever got the Titanic soundtrack or any of her albums. So I feel like I really missed her. Um, oh, but I, so I, I, mean, I know the song, but I will say, and this is like going to make me a bad gay. I feel like whenever I hear any other Celine songs, I'm always like, what is this? I recognize her voice because <laughs> it's very distinct, but like, I don't, yeah. I'm not like a Celine girl by any means, unfortunately. I mean, she does work with my two favorite, uh, not gay, but gay, capital G-A-Y, uh, gay songwriters, both Jim Steinman and Diane Warren. I'm, like, obsessed with both of them. Um, Diane Warren, she's written every song for every Oscar movie ever. She wrote, Nothing's, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing, Because You Loved Me by Celine. And then, that song's iconic. And then Jim Steinman, he's the guy who does all the meatloaf songs, all the, like, really, like, faggy meatloaf songs. That makes a lot that of sense. That was him. And he did It's All Coming Back to Me Now, um, which is another iconic drag queen. That was the first song I ever lip-synced 
as a drag queen. That's so funny. I actually just got introduced to that song recently because I watched the the iconic music video for it. It is like... That music video. (laughs) is like the most dramatic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I I lived for for a second of it. But see, I I could see myself retrospectively getting into Celine. But the thing with me, and I actually discussed this last night during a little karaoke moment, is that I've never really been into like the belter type of singers. I'm always down. I'm more of like a airy vocal wispy kind of thing. My favorite singers as a kid were like Aaliyah and... Mm -hmm. um, I like that kind of vocal. I also love me like a Dolores O'Riordan or like an Alanis Morissette. Like I like a yes. yeah <laughs> kind of yeah. style of singing. <laughs> so I think for me, it, it, yeah, I just kind of like when it came to like Celine and like Whitney even, I just found myself not really gravitating towards that stuff. But like I loved Mariah Carey because even though she's mm-hmm. a capital S singer, it's always kind of got that like airy quality to it. Um, yeah, she she can play in pop really well. Whereas Selena Whitney, like they were pop only because that's what pop sounded like at the time, uh, and like do not exist in pop at all. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like the only like other than I want to dance with somebody, obviously amazing. But like I feel like other than that, there's that like techno song that she sang on in the '90s. It's not right, yeah, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's like <laughs> the only other really song you can really play by Whitney, like at a club or something, because. I feel like most of her stuff is like, yeah, it's like ballads, very Celine. It's just ballad territory. Yeah. Um, well, they're so emotional, which is the iconic in every way Sasha Valore winning song on Drag Race. That's where the roses came from. Right. That's that's Whitney. That's so emotional by Whitney. And it's like, that song makes I like that song. Like, that's a good one. Fight somebody. Too. Like, I'm just like, so just like, Ugh! after that song, it's so pumped. But yeah, I think that for me, it's like, but who wasn't in love with this song back in the 90s? I mean, like, I, oh, you know, girl. I loved it. We all loved it. It's like it's still so known. It's still recognizable to this day. It's probably she the- did it at the American Music Awards a few years ago wearing this iconic white dress uh, and like this like ring of diamonds coming from the uh, the ceiling. It was so legendary. I'll drop a picture. I'll, of it I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I, I But I think for me, major. what's getting me into Celine retrospectively as an adult is the fact that she's such a weirdo. Like, Oh, she's so insane. <laughs> like, I think that's maybe what's going to get me into her is just knowing that like behind this, like songstress, this like ballad songstress that she's actually this like total psycho. Like, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently. They were talking about uh, 2019's cats and some, one of the hosts brought up uh, that, a better Grizabella instead of Jennifer Hudson would have been Celine Dion. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, could you imagine that movie would actually be good if Celine Dion was in it? Well, it would have been actually camp because I feel like the movie yeah. was trying so hard to like prove itself the whole time to not be camp when it just was, and it's like just embrace yeah. it. Okay, like it, come on, get there. This is a ridiculous film. Um, yeah. Oh, so I did want to bring up a thing. I don't know if it's gay, but I'm going to make it gay because me and my gay friends make in high gay. school were a part of this whole thing. So I'm about to take okay. y'all back to the year like I don't know, like 2007 or something. And there was this Let's very go. popular IMDb forum called like uh, Oscar Buzz. I think it went through a different couple of different names. It was called like Bitch. Movie Awards for a while too. Um, and I put was a very... pin in that. I will bring back my story to the IMDb forums. Just yeah, I'm very familiar with. Yeah, the yeah. IMDb okay, forums. good. So I was one of those like I was a lurker on on forums my whole life. I've never really been active online. I was definitely always just kind of reading what people would say, and I'd actually say a lot of my taste in movies like started based on like what people would say on this forum. Like I very much believed everything these people said. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember there was this whole kind of like joke on 
this forum about like Amy Gaipa giving the greatest supporting actress performance of all time in Titanic. Now, Amy Gaipa plays Trudy, Rose's like head, like maid, like servant person. She's in mm-hmm. like three scenes. Um, and the big joke on the forum was like, it was like, oh, when, when Billy Zane like throws all the dishes, the way that Amy Guy, like goes to the ground to pick up the dishes, you could really tell she really thought about her character motivation and that there's all this, like, you can see the background of like where she's come from, like in her eyes. And it was just this kind of like (laughs) silly thing, kind of making fun of, it was almost more making fun of us, like the people on the forum for like how ridiculous we were about like performances and movies and it became this whole thing like we're on the forum they would be like oh and amy guypa like she's the one that falls to her death like like from the railing she's one of the people that falls it goes ah (laughs) like and like people would like play that as like her oscar clip like a fake like (laughs) best supporting actress 1997 because everyone did of course their own you know rankings it'd be like amy guypa titanic and it would like show the clip of her like going ah (laughs) it's just like for me was like this hilarious joke and me and my friend would like in front of all of our friends in high school just be like oh my god do you know amy guypa and we'd be like she's like this amazing actress like she's like legendary and Titanic and I just like completely forgot about that till I rewatched the movie and I just thought it was such a fun like trolling thing from 15 years ago that I was a part of and I just I wanted to bring it back on the pod I just had to like remind so if any of you like were active on IMDB forums back in the day and remember this um Please say something because I don't. I, maybe I'm like mis. Maybe I made this all up. I don't know, but it, I found it very amusing. That's like uh, she's proto Mafalda from Call Me by Your Name. Remember that like two weeks when everyone was like obsessed with Mafalda on from Call Me by Your Name, the servant or like the person who lived in the house. <laughs> no, I don't even remember there being. <laughs> but that's the fun about doing this is it's like you don't yeah. even re- like you're just yeah. It's, it's so ephemeral. It, yeah, uh, you're like you're like. Rose at the end of Titanic where she's just like, Jack has lived in my memory this entire time. Nowhere else. But for Amy Guypa. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I, I just remember too, a really gay thing about this movie is that at the end of the movie, the old woman, I guess, dies and goes to heaven. And it's like the Titanic and like she's reunited <laughs> with Jack and everyone claps. And it's like, Remember that she also had a husband and had kids with this guy, and I'm assuming he's already dead too. Oh yeah, she has like grandchildren. Yeah, like and it's like nothing's gayer to me than like living your whole life as like I guess kind of a lie, and then like going into the afterlife, being like, "Yay, my long lost lover." The person I was with for three days. Like that's like a perfume genius song. That's like uh, that's gay. <laughs> that's gay, girl. Well, damn. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we pretty much covered all of our bases here, or as much as we can. We never really talked about Billy Zane, so I, I really just want to, yeah. like, shout out to Billy Zane. He played a really good villain in the movie. Sorry we didn't have time to talk about your performance. It's great. Um, did not do enough uh, time on Fabrizio. I might just uh, submit or insert, like, 15 minutes of me talking about Fabrizio. Let's just, like, name characters that are in Titanic and just admire them for a second. Uh, I'd like to uh, admire... The lookouts that don't see the iceberg because they were too busy oh, watching Jack and Rose great. make out. Uh-huh. That was beautiful. Um, I want to uh, talk about the research scientist who, uh, just the, the the guy who looked like Peter Jackson. Oh, wait, wait. Are you talking about the one that, like, with the mustache that, like, wanted them to make it go faster even though the guy was like, don't do that? Which one are you talking about? No, the about? guy with like the big the guy with the big beard and was like, he was the one controlling it and he, like, got the got the safe out in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that guy in the modern in the modern era. In the modern, yeah, I like yeah, him. 
Um, big fan of the manservant that will literally do what anything Billy Zane tells him to do, even though a ship is literally <laughs> sinking. And he's yeah, still... Like, do you have a job? <laughs> like, it's like he's still, like, going to just do everything this guy tells him to do. Like, that's dedication to your job. So thank mm-hmm. you for that performance. Um, uh, we got to shout out the iconic guy who jumped off of the uh, ship whenever it was fully vertical <laughs> and hit the rudder on the way down and spun a million times. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the one that really, like, I, like, I go, Ugh, ouch. Yeah, when that he just death like drops down there and just... Yeah. Uh, shout out to the guy who is the only good man in this movie who puts all the rich people all into one boat and goes back to find Rose. Good yeah, for you, dude. Rolls. You were the only one that worked on that ship that was doing his job correctly. Salute to you. Um, so many characters. Um, I want to anti-shout out people who were always like, uh, both of them could have fit on the door at the end. Um, if you watch, they both try to they get do. on the door and they can't. And they can't. I have so many things to say about that. Number one, they do try it, like you said, and it doesn't work, which is why they don't do it. Number two, the let go thing. Okay, he says... Y'all don't clearly didn't watch this movie. He said, I want you to promise me, Rose, that you live life to your fullest, that you get married, that you have kids, that you have this amazing life, and you never let go of that promise. He doesn't say, don't let Mm -hmm. go of me, people. So when she lets go of him and he floats down into the ocean, what else was she supposed to fucking do? She needed to go get saved. She needed to get the whistle. He told her to live for him. What do you want her to fucking do? Like freeze with him? What's wrong with all of you? No. 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 Ugh. Watch the fucking movie. Watch, watch the, the goddamn movie. movie. It's, everyone has all these opinions about the last scene in that movie. And it's like, girl, like, they're all, yeah, they, like, deal with all these questions that you have. Yes. It's, this movie is so intelligent. It handles every single problem that you could have. It's, <laughs> So we got the Rockefeller guy, dying like gentlemen, loved him. There's so many great, Iconic. every character, even, he had, like, what, two lines in the whole movie? And I thought I knew his story. James Cameron, you did you did a hell of a job writing the screenplay. I don't care what mm-hmm. anyone says. You did a great job. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the party, the Irish party at the end, major. Oh, loved that part. That little girl who was there, I'm assuming, just getting drunk. Yeah, loved her. The one that was loved jealous her. when they started dancing. Yeah, she was wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was wasted. For sure. It was 1912, girl. There weren't rules. Yeah, there were no rules uh, then. Just shout, out to, <laughs> just shout out to everyone in this movie. You did a great job. Yeah. You dealt with James Cameron screaming and yelling at you for hours while you were sitting in cold water f- to make film history, yeah. and we appreciate that. You did it. Thank you for your time. To that, we salute you. We salute Mwah. you. All right. Well, now um, that we've tried to at least cover all of our bases as much as we can in like an hour, um, gay recommendation for this movie. I mean, what do you think is like There's the only one. There is only one. I agree with you, There's Dylan. There's only one. We yeah. both came to the same conclusion. It's William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet with... Leonardo DiCaprio, uh-huh. Claire Danes Claire being a Danes. literal. I fucking love Claire Danes. So many iconic aquarium shots in that movie. I Aquariums are gay. So making out in a swimming pool, gay. Yes. Um, what's his face from Lost doing drag? <laughs> gay. <laughs> um, Repo the Genetic Opera's Paul Sorvino. <laughs> gay. Oh my god, that's right. He is in Repo. Um. <laughs> Uh, Miriam Margulies playing the nurse. Gay. Bitch. Gay. Uh, and iconic soundtrack. Oh, with Number Radiohead. One by garbage. Radiohead, talk show host, Love Pool, The Cardigans. I, uh, legendary. It's so good. It's Boz Lorman, maybe the gayest mainstream director other than Joel Schumacher to have ever lived. Yes. 
Um, Joel Schumacher is my kind of gay of just like some like 50 year old that hangs out at a bathhouse. Yeah, I know. Uh, and and, and, and I think what I love about, I mean, now we're getting off topic, but Joel Schumacher, it's like his movies are actually like, they're like horrible, but in the best way possible. Like just. Oh, he understands. He's the only person who is alive this millennium that understands camp. Yeah. He's big brained for that one. But yeah, I think that like Boz Lorman, Romeo plus Julia, great choice for a like tragic romance that like, yeah, I mean, it's Romeo and Julia. It's like the, the, the ultimate straight like romance love story but like yeah. girl the way the movie's done and executed they make it <laughs> gay anymore, as shit, which is probably why <laughs> only gays and girls like that movie even though correct like oh my god it's so good i love romeo plus so juliet good. if anyone has anything to it's say incredible. about that movie that's negative just shut the fuck up just yeah shut up if you dm us with your negative shit on titanic and romeo plus juliet like we will report you yeah like to me and it's like like you said i've never written like a leo guy and i still really am not like i'm just not into that whole like thing it's just like not yeah. my not my bag you know i'm more of like a chris messina boy myself uh, <laughs> uh, but i um uh, i i do like a pre, you know he's very he is very sexy very romantic in both of these movies there's no denying that um and yeah it's a great fucking movie it's definitely my favorite boslerman movie never been much of a moulin rouge boy myself personally but i can't yeah, get I'm down think of other shit that that i like of his and i don't know yeah i'm not really the hugest boslerman guy but i do love that romeo plus juliet it's so much fun very 90s very 90s mm-hmm. movie all right well let's go ahead and wrap this girl up she was a beautiful episode we love titanic um go watch it right now it's really Um, good y'all it holds up everyone holds up it's on stars the low-key best streaming service uh it really is the highly yeah they have everything you ever want on there i love stars uh, my name is Dylan. You can find me on, uh, or Dylan Garcia. Hmm. <laughs> you, may, you can find me on Twitter at Dylan Garcia or on Instagram at Garcia and at Letterbox at Garcia. I would make them all one, but somebody has Garcia on Twitter. Give up Garcia. Whoever Give it that to is. me. Um, and my name is Kirk Van Sickle. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter, all at the handle Kirk Van Sickle with all the vowels taken out, except for at the end with the E. If that's confusing, it'll be in the description below. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that, that that's there. it. It was a it was a very lovely episode after a terrible winter storm. You know, it, correct. You'd think <laughs> that something like Titanic would not be something you'd want to watch, but truly, a really nice cathartic experience needed to get some tears out and you know so if you need to get mm-hmm. some tears out anyone out there go ahead and watch titanic it'll work do it it'll i promise work. you all right well we'll catch y'all on the flip side bye bye and out came talk talk talk